Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine, and it's so good to have you with us today. If it's your first time, I'm just so honored that you're here. Thanks for being with us. Everybody watching online, thanks for being a part of our Sunday today. We, we are um, wrapping up a series today, but before we do, I've just got all kinds of good news to share with you. I'm just going to share some good news. I'm calling it Good News Sunday because we got all kinds of good, fun stuff, and we got Jesus. It's Good News Sunday at the Gathering Church today. Okay. Hey, next Sunday, you know, we, we've been, um, th- this year, has, it's, it's, can I be honest with you? It's been a little bit crazy over the last year and a half or so. It's just been a lot of strange things that have happened. But things are kind of starting to come back to normal a little bit, and life's returning, and we're moving, you know, in the right direction. We have it our first Sunday right now without a face mask requirement. I was pretty happy to be able to sing without, did you ever have the problem where you kept sucking your mask into your mouth where you were singing? I'm like choking to death over there, praising God, worshiping, hands up, like, praise you. And so I was happy to not have that problem today. Hey, if you do want to wear a mask at the gathering, we want you to know we're happy you're here. We value you and everything, but I was just so grateful to not have to do it today. That's good, but, um, and so that's changing, you know, and we've also had our capacity limits change, so we had some pretty strict capacity limits on here uh, just to be safe, you know, as the pandemic was going on, but now that we're kind of moving to the other side of it, we actually have the lowest case count since the beginning of this thing right now. It really is uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And so we are going to be shifting starting next Sunday to one service. We will be having one service. Everybody in here worshiping together. It's going to be awesome. At 10 a.m. next Sunday, we're going to start our new summer schedule. This is just for the summertime. And uh, so our summer schedule will be to have one service at 10 a.m. right here at T.C. Robertson. So if you come at 11, you're too late. You've missed it. You're coming in for that one little like half song we play at the end, and then you're going to be like, what happened? Why is it so short today? It will be so short. Maybe that's what you want. I don't know. But at 10 a.m. next Sunday, we'll have a whole worship service for you. It's going to be so fun for us to all get together and worship together in here. And so I hope you're here for that. We start Summer at the Gathering next summer, which is our summer series we do every year, which is just so much fun. We, 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 along with that, we have some events that we like to do in the summertime coming up. Father's Day is June 20th. Everybody got a plan for dad? Make sure you got a plan. Listen, Father's Day is important to me. I am a father. Make sure you got a plan for dad on Father's Day. I asked for a cooler, so we'll find out. It's a cooler that I want. It has a bottle opener mounted to the outside of it. It's very important to me. And so we'll see, but Father's Day is June 20th, and on that Sunday, we're having an after party after service. So we're going to have a ton of fun in service, but right after service, we're going to have a Mac-off outside. We're having a mac and cheese cook-off right outside there. I'm telling you, you better step up your mac and cheese game. Don't be bringing no craft dinners up in here. Okay, actually, I might vote for that one. I love craft dinners. Where's my craft dinners people at? I love it. <laughs> Come in here with that lobster mac. I want a craft dinner. And so we're going to have a mac off right outside next Sunday. It's going to be or on the 20th on Father's Day. It's going to be so fun. The winner of the mac off is getting a gift card to Kurate downtown Asheville. So come on, 
bring your A game, going to get those tapas at Kurate, and they'll teach you Karate while you're, they don't do that. Rail told me already after first service that I needed to tone it down for second service, and look, I'm already doing karate on stage. Things are getting intense around here. My notes died last service too, and so I had to make up a bunch of the message, freestyling scripture. We'll see what happens. Charged for 30 minutes outside, so we might have it, we might not. Um, And then finally, the last thing I want to share with you, if you can remember, it's a good time for me to share with you that I have ADHD. (laughs) Perhaps you've never noticed. On July 3rd, we are having the biggest summer party of the year, okay? I'm telling you, it's perfect timing. July 4th is the next day, and we want you to have the greatest party weekend in the history of party weekends. My cooler will be here, filled up with LaCroix. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to be in the field right outside here that you pass every Sunday on your way in. And and, and we're going to have bounce houses, obstacle courses, games, food, events, music, live music. We're even going to have, at the end of it, it's going to start at 5 o'clock. And at seven, we're going to have some kids worship and programming on stage, and then we'll have a time of worship together outside on stage. It is going to be the greatest night of your entire summer, I guarantee. We're getting the cops called on us, guaranteed, in this place, you guys. It's going to be a good party. Mark your calendar, plan for it, and then July 4th is that following Sunday, and we're taking the Sunday off to recover. Okay, we are all going to be so tired from that party. There is no church that Sunday morning, July 4th. We're going to Sabbath that Sunday, and we're going to worship the night before. It's going to be a great weekend, so mark your calendars. July 3rd is going to be the summer party. It's going to be a great summer at the Gathering Church. So many fun things happening. Well, today... We're wrapping up our series on mental health called, I'm fine, not really. I'm fine, not really. We're talking about having a place where you can answer that question honestly, how you doing? How, we don't want you to, when somebody sees you at Ingalls and says, how are you? We don't want you to start regurgitating all of life's troubles to them. That's not the goal. The goal is that you have a space, a relationship, a home, a place where you can be absolutely and completely vulnerable, where you can take the mask off, where you can say, I am not okay. Things are not good. I am not doing all right. I need help. I need help. We're talking about the power of those three words in this series. We uh, have been on a journey in this series, and really, honestly, if you've missed it, and you, and you haven't been around for this series, you're new, I'd really recommend getting on our website, gatherashville.org, and checking out the messages from the last couple weeks. Uh, Mikey opened with an incredible message about how we stay okay. And then uh, the second week, Chip Judd, who is my counselor, I met with him this week. My counselor brought an incredible sermon uh, message about uh, having grace for the journey, about how, how we think about people who are struggling with mental health. He got into the nitty gritty of it as really only a counselor can and talked about the stigma of mental health and how as, as the church, we need to remove that stigma, make it okay for people to treat their mind like any other part of their body and when it is unwell to treat it. We talked about counseling, we've talked about medication, we've talked about all the many steps that you can take and all the different avenues you can travel down to get well when you are unwell. Last week I shared my story with you and talked about 
my depression journey, talked about my journey with anxiety. I talked about the things that got me into that mess. And we've shared a lot about how we got out of it, all the different ways to get out of it. To be honest, there's no clear follow these three steps and you will be free. In fact, we think this is a diverse journey that's different for every person. And there's a lot of avenues that you can take. And so we've shared a lot of those with you. And today, what I do want to offer you is some steps that you can take. Maybe for you, these are steps that you can take uh, because you're on the kind of the other side of that. You've been getting professional health. You know, maybe it's you, you've been going to a doctor or a, or a counselor and, and you need some steps to take to return to normal life. And I want to offer you that today. Some steps to take to step into a spiritual freedom. I want to offer that today. Maybe you just haven't felt like yourself lately. And you just don't really know how to, how to release yourself from the weight you've been carrying. There's been a weight, hasn't there? We've been carrying a weight around, the weight of all the changes we've had to make, the things we had to miss, the cancellations, the weight of the, of the constant fatigue of change happening around us, the weight of the heaviness of this last year and everything that happened within it. And, and, and maybe you just aren't sure how to carry the weight anymore. I want to give you some steps that you can take either in the middle of it, in the beginning of it, or on the other side of it today. I hope that there's something here, no matter where you are, that helps you. As a resource for this message and last week's message, I I read a book called Out of the Cave by Pastor Chris Hodges. He is one of the founding pastors of our organization called the Association of Related Churches, the ARC. And his book, his book Out of the Cave is at our resource center back there. And if you hear this and you'd like more, you you feel like you want to go deeper or you want more information, we will happily give you that book. And if we don't have enough copies, you fill out a connect card. We'll make sure we get one in your hands. Um, Last week, we started with the story of Elijah asking God to let him die. Elijah had just come off of a big spiritual high, a season where he had a big victory as a prophet. He was the man of God, is what they called him, the prophet, the mouthpiece of God. He performed miracles on God's behalf. He was known all around the region as the greatest prophet to ever live, is what he was known as. And there was this amazing miracle where the people of Israel, the people of God, were worshiping a false god called Baal. And there was a, a showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, Baal, and God showed up and he performed a miracle that, that wowed everyone and it gave momentum to the people of God and they chased out the prophets of Baal and, and they, there was this revival going on in the country. It was amazing and he had been a part of all of it, but he had also carried the weight of all of it. He, he had also had to bear the strain of all of it. And he had also not made a lot of friends. He'd made a great many enemies in this journey. Did you know that when you are pursuing the will of God, things are not always awesome? That pursuing the will of God doesn't mean life gets easier. Sometimes it makes life harder. And so that is the case for Elijah. Elijah now has a king and a queen who are out to get him killed. And he's he's crushed under the weight of it. So he crawls under a bush and he asks God to let him die. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. Then he lay under the bush, and he fell asleep, and all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over coals and a jar of water. 
He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, The first step that I want you to take today, the first step I would offer you as you step out of darkness and step into light is you need to step into a needed recovery. You need to step into a needed recovery. I love this passage. It's one of my favorites in scripture. Elijah is done. He's in a bad place. And so an angel comes to help him. But the first thing that the angel tells him to do isn't something spiritual. The angel doesn't say, Elijah, I want you to go get a scroll and unwind that sucker and read you some scripture because you need to, you need to get your head in the game. You need, to, you need to cheer up, Elijah. Why don't you go read some scripture right now? Or Elijah, why haven't you been praying enough? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing more spirit? The first thing the angel tells him to do isn't spiritual. It is physical. He says, let's talk about your physical needs before we can talk about your spiritual needs. You need a snack, Elijah. paraphrase says, hey, bro, eat something. Get up and eat. This is one of my favorite Bible verses, get up and eat, because it's the one I've been the most obedient with throughout the course of my life. I do a great job of taking a nap and then eating a snack. I will, what I tend to do is I'll take a nap and then I'll zombie walk into the pantry and I'll stand there and I'll just shove the most random assortment of things. I and mean, we got kids, you know, so some cheese it crackers, some pirate's booty. If you don't know it, you got to get some pirate's booty. I'll shove some pirate's booty and then a handful of fruit snacks in my mouth and then go fall back asleep and wake up. My mouth tastes all weird. And I'm like, what happened? What did I do? You go, I'm great at this. Go have a nap. Wake up. Have another nap. Wake up and eat some more. You need to take care of your body, Elijah. You need to listen to your physical needs. You've got to let it sink in for a minute. He needed to pay attention to his physical health and his physical needs first. He had to start at the beginning. He had to start this journey at the beginning. In the book, Pastor Chris tells a story about a, a friend of his who needed a kidney transplant. And they, they had been on dialysis for a short period of time, and then their, their, their name came up on the transplant list, and they got called in to go get a kidney transplant. It all happens very fast. They got rushed to the hospital, and they were there to get this transplant. They ran a bunch of tests before they performed the surgery, and the doctor came in after the tests were done and said, I'm sorry, but we cannot perform the surgery yet. We cannot give you this kidney. Your body is still too toxic you got to go through a few more rounds of dialysis first and clean out your body. You want the solution right now, but you are not ready for the solution. See, I just think that so often we want to jump right into whatever the fix is. We want to jump right into whatever the solution is to the troubles that we're feeling or that we're facing, but we're not even ready for it yet. We need a moment to recover first. We got to flush some things out. We got to rest. We got to eat. We got to do something that allows us to recover from the season that we've been in. You might need to eat and to rest today, church. 
Maybe you need to give yourself permission to eat a great big meal and take a great big nap on this Sunday afternoon. Come on, it's muggy outside. It is okay. My wife is always concerned that if we take a nap during the summer, we'll miss the only nice day. And we won't, we gotta be outside. We gotta be doing something awesome. And I'm just like, it is summer. There will be another nice day tomorrow, and this man needs a nap. As your pastor, I'm encouraging you to take a nap today. Take a nap and just let the kids destroy the house. Don't even worry about it. Wake up, eat a snack, take another nap. (laughs) Elijah was about to go on this big journey of spiritual health, but he wasn't ready for it yet. He needed time to recover from the weight of the season he had been living through. This is why the Bible is so clear about our need for Sabbath. Sabbath isn't a recommendation in the Bible. It's a command. Your Sabbath is not supposed to just be an hour on Sunday. It's meant to be an entire day set aside for recovery. It says in Psalm 90, 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and to spend them as we should. You've got to understand how to create a rhythm and a schedule of health where there is recovery, where there is work, where there is spiritual pursuit, and where there is physical rest. You have to have a Sabbath. Your body needs it. Sometimes you're not feeling right, you don't feel like yourself, and you don't know why, and maybe you're just tired, and you you just need a rest, a real rest. Maybe you just need a snack. It helps Elijah in this story. You may need to allow yourself to recover from this last year, or maybe you've been struggling with mental health for a while, and and, and you're, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and so you're, you're ready to kind of just jump right back in as fast as you can. You need to be gentle on yourself. Don't forget to be gentle on yourself. It's good that things are working, but you need to take time to recover. Don't feel like you've got to make up for all the lost time right now. Don't forget to Sabbath. Take a nap when you need one. Recover. You've been through a lot. The angel says, the journey is too much for you. The journey's been too much for you sometimes. It's okay to recover. The angel takes time first to treat the physical, and then we move towards the spiritual steps we need to take. Because whatever your mental health journey has been, you need to take spiritual steps in order to move forward. Elijah didn't just need physical recovery. He needed to step into a God encounter, to step into a God encounter. He gets up after he's rested and recovered, and he makes this long journey to Mount Horeb, which is where the presence of God physically is dwelling. You know, in order to get into the presence of God, then you had to go to a physical place. That's how it worked before Jesus came. The presence of God dwelt in a physical place. They would go to the mountain of God in Elijah's time. Later, they would go to the temple of God, and they would try to get in his presence in those spaces. You and I have it so much easier Because Jesus came, and what he did was he made it possible for you to be in direct relationship with God. And what that means is because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the restoration of your relationship with God, now the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, can be inside of you at all times. It comes and dwells within you. And so the work you have to do to get into the presence of God is a lot less than spending 40 days and 40 nights crossing a desert to get to Mount Horeb. That's what Elijah does because he needs it so deeply. First Kings chapter 19, verse 9. 
it says, he got to the mountain and there he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? I'm thinking, uh, didn't your angel tell me to come here? He, said, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and they've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I'm so alone, and nobody understands what I've been through. Nobody understands where I'm at. I'm, I'm doing everything right, and everything keeps falling apart around me, and nobody cares, and I'm tired, and I can't do it anymore. Verse 11, the Lord says, go out and stand on that mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some of us, the pace of our life is such that the only way we would ever experience or hear or feel the presence of God is if it comes in an earthquake or a fire or a mighty wind. We're going to have to be disrupted in order to hear him. But I love that in this story, the presence of God comes into this tumultuous moment in Elijah's life in a gentle whisper. Because the only way he was going to hear it was if he stopped, if he was still, and if he was quiet. The steps that I'm giving you today, they matter to take them in order. Because without that moment of recovery, that moment of quietness, you may not be able to hear what God wants to tell you. You may not be able to receive the hope and the peace and the strength that he wants to offer you. The presence of God passes by Elijah and it's in a gentle whisper. Mm. We need a God encounter and we need to be still in order to receive it. It says in Psalm 46.10, God reminds David as he's in a, more, a, a, a season of difficulty. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. We got to set up quiet moments to encounter God in our regular life. Whether it means getting up early or staying up late or sneaking off on your lunch break. Whatever it looks like for you, you need scheduled, regular quiet moments to be in the presence of God on a regular basis. Last year, after I was pressing through all this anxiety, and uh, I had taken some time to recover and care for the physical side of what was happening to me. I shared that story last week. And I started these practical steps and did some things to care for the physical side of the anxiety that I was facing. And I remember after that, I took some time away intentionally, really to hear from God, some time to to connect and to hear from God. And it was one morning, it was quiet. I had been fishing the day before. I love to fish. And I had been fishing the day before, and I was just resting And I was out worshiping one morning, and I was listening to my favorite worship playlist, which is entirely from the late 90s and early 2000s. Come on, can we get some trading my sorrows in here on a Sunday morning? So I'm talking, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, amen. Come on. I'm blessed beyond this curse. I'm persecuted, not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. 
For his promise will endure, and his joy is going to be my strength. I'm just telling you, I was getting it, and I was getting it. And I'm just worshiping, and I'm, I'm just, man, I was just, I'm shouting to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. And I'm going, and I'm telling you what, it had been months and I felt so disconnected from God, and I felt so overwhelmed, and I felt so empty, and I didn't know how much I needed a God encounter, because I'm worshiping, and it was the first time I had been still and had let all the anxiety and the worry of that season dissipate, and I just, I heard from him. I felt his presence. I heard him speak. I felt, I felt the comfort that he brings, the peace that he brings, the joy that he brings. I, I experienced his presence for the first time in months, and it, it absolutely restored my strength. I felt renewed. I received vision. I received strength, courage to keep going. See, God comes to us in our intimate moments and when we are prepared to receive him. Sabbath is so important to us because Sabbath prepares us not only to go back into the whirlwind of life, but Sabbath, real soul rest, prepares you to be in the presence of God. That's what it is all about. You've got to be intentional about seeking out these moments, creating them. We actually have resources at that next steps table that can help you do that if that sounds out of reach for you. And so Elijah steps into the presence of God in this moment in the whisper, uh, and he tells him the same thing again. It says, Elijah heard the whisper, and he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave, and a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and the Israelites have rejected your covenant, and they've torn down your altars, and they put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm all that's left. And now they're just trying to kill me. So you got to address your physical needs. you got to step into God moments. And you got to be honest with God in those moments. I love the prayer of Elijah here. If you've been struggling and you get into a God encounter, you don't just say, well, blessed be the Lord and, and amen and so good, God. I'm just in the joy of your spirit today. Yes, Lord, everything's fine. Thank you. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for intimacy. Intimacy is built through honesty. And Elijah gets in there and, and he just three different times, he says, here's how broken I am. So alone I am and I'm mad about it. And I did what you told me to do. And now look where I am. I'm in a cave alone and I want to die. And God was big enough to hear it. So whatever you're going through, wherever journey you've been on, whatever anxiety, depression, whatever you have been experiencing, I'm telling you there is a need in your heart for you to take it to your Father who loves you, who cares for you, who listens to you, who is compassionate for you, who is gracious over you, who desires goodness and peace and joy for you, just because you say all of this to God doesn't mean He will wipe it all away tomorrow, but it does mean that you will be assured, you will know that He is in this journey with you. Bring Him all the things that you're feeling. Elijah is completely honest with God, and God doesn't punish Him for it, He listens to Him. 
Step into an encounter with God and then step into purpose. Step into your purpose. Next step is to step into your purpose. Look at the story. Elijah treats his physical needs. He encounters the presence of God and then God gives him an assignment. Verse 15, the Lord said to them, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Ahab. He's telling him all these people to anoint, and he's actually giving him a successor. We'll get to that in a minute. Jehu, who will put to death, and he's bringing people alongside of him and bringing them alongside the mission that he gave. He's just given him a job to do. If you're stepping out of the darkness and into the light, out of, a, out of the cave and into the open from a season of poor mental health and into a season of healing and freedom and recovery and better mental health, moving your life towards purpose is going to help you get there. Last week, we talked about Dr. Viktor Frankl. Uh, he was a psychiatrist in Europe after World War II. He was an opposing view to Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud, his thesis was that life is about the pursuit of pleasure. Frankl believed that life is about purpose, and in the absence of purpose, people pursue pleasure. And Dr. Frankl set up a clinic in Europe in order to treat Holocaust patients. He was treating Holocaust patients regularly and trying to develop a means to help them recover from the horrors that they had been through. All of them were suicidal. All of them were broken down, depressed. And Dr. Frankel created a system that actually worked to get them out of the trauma and the depression that they were living in. And it started with giving them meaningful work, giving them a place to serve in their purpose. He said, people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have means, but no meaning. In other words, we don't need steps to follow as much as we need a reason to follow them. Maybe it's time for you to share your story with, so that someone else feels seen. To be in a life group, to join the dream team, to find community where you can start to take the mask off and say, here's what I've been through, so that somebody else can say, me too. Me too. Maybe it's time for you to become a part of the local church's mission in bringing hope to people who feel hopeless. Or maybe it's time for something else. But I believe there is purpose in your pain. And if you want to move forward, you've got to find what that purpose is and begin to live in it. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Without something to, to work toward, to work for, without a why in your heart, you'll be adrift. In the midst of my anxiety last year, one of the things that was really causing it to get worse and worse for me was I, was, I felt adrift. I felt untethered. I, I don't feel like my purpose is just to create content and to make hard decisions. I feel most connected to my purpose when I'm able to help people, to offer hope to people, to be with people, to see them learn how to know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference. And suddenly last March, I just couldn't be around people anymore. I felt adrift. I felt lost. 
Those feelings of low value haunted me in my early 20s and led me into depression, and they were coming back because I didn't know my why in that season. I remember it was maybe late July that one day all of this became clear to me. I realized how much I needed help. So I decided I needed to be around people that would lift me up. I went and spent some time with some pastors who have really become brothers to me. And we shared that we, what we'd been through and how we were still going to live out our purpose through it. We gave, shared ideas. We talked about what had been hard. We, we laughed together. We, 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 we went through it together. And I came home galvanized. I immediately started getting around people to be their pastor again. I found ways. I found ways to do it, connecting over Zoom or whoever was willing. I was like, please just come stand in a field with me and you can stand on that side and I'll stand on this side. I just need to be around people. It's what I was made to do. I just want to hear your story. Tell me how it's going. Yes, Mm -hmm. tell me. I'm listening. I'm being weird about it, I know. And I just, I just, it it didn't have to be an auditorium on a Sunday filled with people. I just needed to be with somebody. And living in my purpose again. And as soon as I got connected to that, and I connected where I was to the purpose I was created with, it was like a a weight lifted off of me. It was like, hey, I still had this anxiety that I had to work through, but at least now I was tethered to something. I was anchored somewhere. I had something to keep me moving forward in my purpose. We need purpose. It's a big part of our healing process. It's how we're wired. We're created with purpose. And so we need a job to do. God gives Elijah a job to do, and it snaps him out of a lot of what he is feeling once he has his purpose clear to him again. And then finally, we need to step into a relational strength. Step into a relational strength. Elijah felt so alone. That was a big part of the lie that led him into his depression was you're alone. Nobody cares about you. Everybody hates you. No, there's no one to do this alongside of. Maybe you felt this way. It can be hard to be a Christian in this city or even in the world that we live in now, in the culture that we live in now. That can be difficult. And maybe you have felt like, you know what? I'm the only Christian at my workplace. I'm the only Christian in my family. I'm the only Christian. I'm all alone. I'm not, I don't have anybody to talk about with this. I don't have any, how am I supposed to get better or grow or, or become more Christ-like when I don't have anyone around me who is Christ? I'm all alone. And that's what Elijah says to God. He says, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. No one is left. Everybody hates me. Everyone's out to get me. They want to silence me. They want to stop me and they want to kill me. I'm so alone. And God responds to him. God says, But I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God says, listen, Elijah, you are not as alone as you think you are. The devil wants you to think you are. That's a lie. You're never as alone as the enemy wants you to believe. You're never as, as isolated as the enemy wants to keep you. He says, you are not alone, Elijah. All of my people have not prostituted themselves before Baal. That's some King James. He said, no, there's 7,000 of them who still worship me, who are with you, who stand behind you. And you remember that purpose 
At the end, one of the last things God told him to do was to go and find Elisha, a guy whose name rhymed with Elijah, which was convenient. And he says, this is going to be your replacement. I want you to start training him, and I want you guys to do ministry together, be in relationship together, go through it. I want you to impart something into him. And so it says, God says, no, Elijah, there's 7,000. Verse 19, so Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha. He went, and he found him, and he threw his cloak around him. That's how I make friends, too. I just go, just like you. And I walk up, and I throw my jacket on him. Like, we're friends now. And then we just walk off together, burn all of our plowshares. This is a part of the story. Elisha burns things. There's like a fire. It's a great way to start a friendship, too, over a fire. And so I digress. He gets in relationship. He's reminded that your enemy wants nothing more than for you to be stuck in your struggles forever because he's isolated you. Isolation will keep you frozen in time forever. Your enemy wants you to feel like you are hated, like you're cast out, and like no one understands. But listen to me right now. You are not alone. There is probably someone in this room who has been through exactly what you have been through, who understands And you need others to move forward. You are not a burden to them. Who needed to hear that? I don't want to bring others in. I don't want to be a burden to them. You are not a burden to them. You have something to offer. What you bring to the table matters. And it's important. Galatians 6.2 says, "Bear, Bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ. See, we do exactly what Jesus wanted us to do when I come alongside you. Say, that looks heavy, man. Let me help. Hey, man, I'm in some heavy stuff right now, and I know you can't fix it, but can you help me carry it? Do you know that when you get in a life group, it's not your job to fix the other people in that group? Don't be that guy. I am that guy amongst my friends. Bless their hearts. I'm working on it. Don't be that guy. It's not your job to fix them. It's your job to help them carry it. To come alongside. To listen. To say, that is hard. Wow. So sorry. Thank you for sharing that with me. You need to be in relationship. That week with my friends who lead in ministry will forever be a milestone in my life. Things really changed for me there. You're not designed to go through this by yourself. Last year, I also got closer to some of my friends here in this church than I have in a long time. I've been hurt a few times, and I built some big walls over my heart. You ever been there? Have one or two friendships that goes the wrong way, and you're just like, nah, you know what? I don't need to be getting that close. Or I believed this one. You ever believed this one? I, I don't, if they really know who I am, they won't respect me anymore. They won't like me. I'm too much. I decided to call those lies and to get in some deeper relationships and some deeper friendships and to go all in in some relationships and to let people know exactly who I am and all of it and to take my mask off and to let my walls down and to let my guard down. And I'm so much better because of it. So will you be. 
You have the opportunity here in this space to build relationships that, that turn you into what you were made to be, to make you better. Having a community that you're vulnerable with isn't going to make your anxiety or your depression go away, but it will make it possible to bear because you have someone to share the weight with. We at the Gathering Church, we deeply want for you to know that you're not alone. This is a very complicated topic. Mental health is complicated. It's not one of those where I can give you three points and say, we're good, let's move on, you're fixed. It's not, it's a journey. Some of us will deal with it for our whole lives. Some of us will be delivered from it. Some of us will have to fight. Some of us will wake up feeling better one day. It's just not gonna be the same. It's a diverse journey. It's different, hard. But this is the beauty of the church. It says in Romans, when one part of the body suffers, the rest of the body suffers with it. If my big toe has a big old sore on it, all of me is mad. All of me. That's what it is to be a part of the local church. You get the relational strength that you need to keep moving forward. Don't just attend. Don't just watch the content. Don't just see what it's all about and then go home. If you want to know how to really move forward, how to grow, how to hear the voice of God, how to grow in his presence, how to get stronger, the secret is in the people seated around you. The relational strength that they can offer you. I'm telling you right now, the way we get through it is together. If you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, this family is always open to grow. It is so simple. The, the, the work has been done for you. You don't have to be alone anymore. You don't have to be isolated anymore. Whatever lies you've been told or that you heard about how you got to get your life in order first, or you got to get this problem solved first, or you got to get it all together. It's not true. That's not true. The very first step is to know God. You come to Him just as you are today. He's done the work. All you do is open a conversation up, and it goes like this. If you want to enter into that relationship with today, every head bowed, every eye closed, just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sin. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for all the mistakes I've made in my life. I believe that you've made a way for me. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God who gave his life for me. And that today you're alive and you want to give me life. I give my life to you today. All that I am from this moment forward, I am yours. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.